Uh, what is your secret? What do you think's been able to get you to this point so far? Making it predictable. Hello, everybody, and welcome to How to Scale an Agency. We're going to be focusing on all the ways in which your business can grow and scale online as a digital marketing agency. The digital marketing agency space has never been easier to get into. And on this podcast, we're going to help uncover all the tricks and tools of the trade that digital marketing agency owners are doing today to help them achieve the scale necessary to be wealthy, prosperous, and do good in the world. We hope you enjoy this podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of How to Scale Your Agency. I'm on with Scott Scully. Scott has built an amazing company. Uh, if you mentioned it was doing $54 million in revenue yearly. Uh, so, Scott, I would love for you to introduce yourself to the audience. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, thanks a lot for having me, Lucas. Just proud to be on the show. Uh, again, Scott Scully, CEO of Abstract Marketing Group. Yeah, man, it's it's really great to hear about how you guys have been able to grow just from our brief conversation before this. Would you mind sharing a little bit how you were able to get to the scale that you've been able to get to? So, you know what? In the first couple of years, I think just like anyone else, we took on business just to pay the bills. And it really was at a point where we started saying no to certain types of business. We niched down, we got focused decided who we wanted to be when we grew up and and that's where it kind of took off. Just every year reinvesting and uh, didn't take any outside capital in and and now okay. sitting at this point we put a, a a ton of money monthly in into our growth you know just to keep it keep scale. That's amazing. Um I hear this from every single uh eight figure plus agency owner that I interview where the trick to get to that point is niching down. That's like a common thread that I see. And, I, and then I ask them just to confirm, you know, do you feel like that is the way every single agency should approach scale? I mean, if they want to get to eight figures plus, is that, is that really the goal to niche down? Or is there any benefit to staying super broad uh, as an agency? Yeah, that's a great question. So here's how I'll attack that one. We, we had an acquisition in, in the last year. Mm -hmm. And they have not been doing that. They are selling to any industry nationwide and they've, they've grown quickly to a point, but right. when we look at the business now go forward, it looks like it's going to be more difficult without picking particular niches and, and putting particular strategies in place. And, and you know what, it's the delivery part of it that I think is the most difficult. Right. When, when you really thoroughly understand an industry, uh, you're better at it. Your retention's right. higher, you know, then you don't have to sell as much to keep the net growth going. So I, I believe in it wholeheartedly. If I was to start over again, I'd do it right away. You would, so you start, start with a niche and then grow Absolutely. into that niche. Yeah, yeah, that is definitely the one lesson uh, I've learned the most from, from these agencies I've talked to. A follow-up question on that is... Do you feel like the inevitable conclusions for any agency getting to $10 million plus in revenue is not only to niche down, as we've talked about, but also to increase their rate for clients? So like go from charging $1,000 a month to then charging $5,000, $20,000, $100,000 a month. 
is it a rate increase as well that corresponds with going to become more niche? You know, I think that that when you get better at what you do, you can clearly ask for more money, but there is a, a ceiling to that. So then you yeah. have to decide whether or not you're going to offer other services to increase right. spend within that account or whether you're okay with, you know, a couple thousand per account to, you know, across a hundreds of hundreds of accounts kind of depends on who you want to be. Yeah. You know, how, how many people you want on the bus and yeah. you know, to us, it just feels good being across hundreds of clients at a small price point with, you know, some focused services. Okay. So you guys do the volume game. So your what's your average retainer? Would you say when you work with clients? 3750 a month. Okay. Wow. So you have a, you have a good amount of, of customers then that you work with at that price point. Uh, if you're doing $54 million a year in revenue, <laughs> we do. I mean, obviously some lower, some higher, but we have about 1700 customers and we work in all 50 States. And right. just now starting in the UK, which we're excited about. Nice. And and with that 3700 price point, I mean, did you work into that too? Or were you always at that price? Did you increase it to 3700 over time on average? We have tried different price points, um, but we have kind of worked up over time. We have found that right at about 4000 it, it we can't go any higher than that. Mm -hmm. uh, reason being that people start to think about the higher, right? Uh, you know, in a previous conversation that we had, you know, I was talking about the best way to look at us is that, you know, outsource sales enablement, you know, right. appointment setting, social media engage, engagement, content creation. And, and then when it comes to generating leads, if somebody all of a sudden thinks, well, I can pay, you know, for four grand a month, I can hire somebody. They start to think, think about it that way. It just becomes more difficult. Yeah, that's definitely something that I encourage people to do uh, and hear a lot about when I interview people as well, which is you want to be the most expensive in your segment, typically. So in your category. So for you guys, outsource sales enablement. And, well, maybe it's not always most expensive because I'm sure there's other really expensive outsource sales enablement teams. But I would say your category is almost people who are looking for that extra support underneath the price point of hiring someone, like you said. Uh, but they're not necessarily looking for like an outsourced sales team of, you know, 50 people. Or do you take that approach? I mean, is it a utility-based thing as well, where if they like the success from one campaign, they then stack up and keep stacking to different, you know, more robust strategies where you go from 3,700 to then like 10,000, 20,000 over time with a utility type metric? You know, most of our clients are small to medium sized. There are some people that'll do double or triple programs, but Really, what they're trying to do is have a predict, uh, you know, more predictable number of new sales meetings on a monthly basis. So, you know, for the price point, depending on their industry, we give them a guaranteed amount over the course of a year. If we don't hit that by the end of the year, we work for free until we do. The conversation we're having with people is the software that, you know, the tech stack that they would have to get before they even did the work. It, it, you know, it almost reaches the price point. And then it isn't just about someone on the phone or someone writing content or developing the website. There's just a lot of hats, a lot of different types of people that are doing the work. And it, it's just too expensive to bring on that kind of kind of talent. And we've, right. built the, we've built the infrastructure. Why not do it for a, a fraction of the cost? 
Very fair. And and do you mind me asking, how much were you guys doing in revenue pre-acquisition? I mean, you mentioned that uh, the acquisition itself has added a good chunk to that, but I'm assuming you were doing probably more than the acquiring price point, right? Yeah, it was a it was a substantial buy. I mean, they're going to do about 19 this year. Okay, but you guys were you know doing 30 before then, or have you seen a lot of growth this year predominantly? So we've been growing as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, so last year, you know, we were in the 30s, and okay. uh, then you know combined, so we had a a little stall during COVID. We did manage to right. grow. We, we yeah. grew about, by about a million, but so we didn't go backwards. No, that's great. Um, but yeah, it was just real nice synergy. And now, you know, both both entities are growing. It's nice. That's amazing. So how do you look at the next 12 months with uh, this entire portfolio now, right? Like, so, so I'm assuming as the CEO of um, Abstract Management, now with this new company that's rolled up into your group, you know, how do you look at growth and what's the, what's the strategic objective for 2022? So we have some pretty specific growth goals. We have on, on each side of the coin, uh, $50,000 a month or $100,000 in, in monthly reoccurring revenue growth. Um, net, so net subscription growth every yep. year. So that, that'll take us uh, over 60, you know, well over 60. We've got a three-year track towards 100. And then we've got nice sized sales enablement teams on, on both sides that are generating, you know, the right amount of new sales calls to get us where we need to be. Okay. So your predominant strategy for acquiring new customers is that outbound lead generation. You use the same process you use for your clients, for yourself. Is that the thought process? Uh, we do outbound and inbound. So we're, we're, uh, and the, the company we just bought, it was hundred percent email marketing pretty large size email marketing company, but we do, we use email, uh, we're on LinkedIn, we're creating content or, you know, just tons of content on a monthly basis, creating a lot of video, kind of getting, uh, we a lot of paid. So right. just, wherever people, wherever people are, you know, yeah. wherever, the, wherever the most effective route is to, to get to the, the, the prospect that's best for us, we're there. Well, it's awesome to see. I mean, you know, one thing that uh, I think a lot of uh, the, one of the stigmas with being an agency, I think, is that agencies are notoriously difficult to scale. They're high labor costs. And it's always refreshing seeing a business that's been able to get to the scale that you have as an agency. Uh, what is your secret? What do you think has been able to get you to this point so far? Making it predictable. So, yeah, when, when we decided, OK, these are the niches, here's the exact price point. So, you know, when I say we average that price point, I mean, literally most of our people pay the same fee and get the exact, <laughs> and get the exact same services. And it, so over years, we know what our close rate is, you know, when we're having yeah. new presentations, yeah. what our what our churn rate is. And then we just know how much fuel we need to put on the, the fire to have a predictable amount of growth. We can't do that if... I'm not selling the same thing all the time, delivering the same right, thing. Right. And if I don't know those ratios as well as we know them. How do you think about product then when, you, when you're building something? I've actually recently in the last 12 months focused heavily on the bottom and middle funnel. I used to have this amorphous blob, which was my services that I did for clients. Uh, and that was, God, I mean, we were able to get to 1.7 million in revenue, but 
it's great. You know, it's a great you, cash flow positive business, all that stuff. But uh, and the thing is, if you just focus on that and selling people, you can get there quickly. We were able to get there fast. But the thing is, uh, I'd rather be a lot more profitable and I'd rather be able to scale uh, with a lot more focused of a strategy. So I think product has been on my mind a lot uh, the last 12 months. How do you think about crafting a predictable product? I mean, what is the steps that you go through when you craft something that's productized? You know, there's a, there's a lot, it's just, you know, what, what is that, that person on the team? What do they cost? What is the range that you can pay to keep it at the right margin? How many words do you write? What are the exact amount of dials that you make? Yeah. What are, the, what are the number of appointments that you can promise? It's a little bit different in particular industries, but if you were if you were to take a tour here, you'd see that on the outbound side of things, we've got a, a team of ten. There's a sales manager. There's eight people making phone calls and sending emails. Or eight SDRs. And there's a uh, what we call a partner performance manager that backs up if someone's gone or if they're behind goal. Yeah. And, and then there's an account manager that's attached to that team. And then there's a quality person for every three teams, a data person for every three teams. So it is all all kind of modeled out and predictable. So when we yeah. add when we add revenue, we know, you know, the positions that we're adding or the outreach instance that we're that we're adding or another right. Salesforce license. So at this point, it's it's pretty modeled out and it, which feels great because it wasn't yeah. always it wasn't always <laughs> true. So to to get that predictability, we talked about niches earlier. I mean, what what niche do you focus on with uh, with your with your lead generation? I mean, is there one that you feel is more strong than others? So primarily B two B. We don't do much. so services basically. Yeah. Service based businesses. M yeah. MSPs, um, HVAC on the on the contract side, commercial mm -hmm. cleaning. Um, Construction has is, is become a, a big one for us right. doing the heavy lifting work for bigger construction companies looking to add another building at a college, things like that. So Got to be a big enough project or the, the reoccurring revenue has to have enough of a margin where they can see an ROI by the end of the year. Yeah, that's definitely something we've noticed. I mean, for lead lead generation in particular, service-based businesses make up about 50% of our, our revenue. So I, I definitely see the same pattern. One thing that I've formulated and I'd like to hear kind of if, if you would recommend a similar strategy for other agencies is when you start your agency, you know, you, you might start with a broader canvas, which I think we both agree is actually not the way you should start. <laughs> like if I had to redo it, I wouldn't do that way. But right. I think a lot of agencies get into that where a large majority of their customers are being fed this broad strokes strategy and not a niche one. So yeah. one thing that we've started doing, and I'm curious if this is what you did, uh, you know, maybe in year three, four of your business, as you started to niche more and more down, if you already have business that comes through, that's n coming through on maybe an offer that's not necessarily niche is a good strategy to keep that business coming through but then start to start to formulate more niche type products that you can offer if that person comes through the funnel. So for instance, you mentioned HVAC. Let's say you get 100 meetings booked a month and only 15% of them are HVAC. Is it a wise decision to keep the rest of those 
businesses coming through, but then to have a separate product just for that HVAC company with all the testimonials of working for HVAC companies and everything. So that way that unique product for that HVAC business is productized and repetitive and predictable. Um, is, is that the way you look at things and, and basically just is branding it as a unique product for that HVAC company? Or do you pretty much just sell the same thing to everybody and just say that you work with HVAC businesses really well? I mean, is that more of the approach you take? Yeah, I mean, the services that we provide just, you know, it's all about building the predictable pipeline, but they work from a B2B perspective uh, in across most industries. What we send via email or how we connect in, on LinkedIn uh, or what phone calls we make, the messaging is going to adjust, but the process that we follow is the same. Right. Um, where it's important for us to stay in the niches and build niche teams is if somebody, for instance, out, you know, doing outreach and, and trying to bring on a new service contract customer for an HVAC company. And if they are working on four or five of those accounts and they really understand that industry, they can just deliver a higher level. But for us, we have not changed the product per, per niche. We have kept the same product and we've built niche teams. Got it. Specialists. Yeah. Very fair. Very fair. And uh, maybe one thing that would be helpful for the listeners, uh, some context, I think, on uh, your story, your journey, right? Like, why'd you get into this? <laughs> why did you want to start a business? Tell me a little bit more about uh, Scott Scully, you know? So I've been at this about 28 years. Grew up in Iowa, went to college in Minnesota. Uh, Went back to Iowa to, to, to work for about a year and then uh, wanted to get the heck out of Iowa and go see some other cities. Landed in Denver, Colorado, was there for about a year, and a friend came out uh, to ski. Okay. And they had started a business back here in St. Louis, and they wanted some help from a marketing perspective. Right. And so I threw, you know, my three clothing items in the car and yeah yeah anything that i had at that point and came to st <laughs> louis and and then it just kind of went quickly the intent was to be in a marketing position and then they had some salespeople that that left yeah and tried to compete and and then all of a sudden i found myself going after that business and trying to save it for these guys then i you know and then all of a sudden i was selling and then i was the top salesperson and then we were uh, sales account managers and there's only so much time in the day. Yeah. I, I asked for a bigger percentage. Uh, right. The guy laughed, said, go hire your own person. So I actually did that four or five times over uh, out of right. my commissions. And then I ended up running sales. And then a couple of these guys went and started another division and I actually ended up uh, running that company. And, uh, and then I got 30% of that company at a Christmas party. Wow. <laughs> uh, problem was, I, problem was, I was left. Yeah. Yeah. Problem was, I earned it, right? Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, problem was, I, I was left behind with the brother that they were running from. So I, wow. I did that for about eight years, and then I restarted uh, another organization. Uh, both of these were in automotive marketing and, uh, you know, direct marketing space and grew that next one, the second one. Uh, over eight years to, you know, both of these were about 12 million bucks. 
Wow. And uh, we got to a point in that second company where a vendor wanted to invest in us. They liked this. They had good products and services and they liked the, the, the phone processes that we built and the culture that we built. And so they wanted to, to bring us into the fold to help them from an inside sales perspective. And, uh, and I was going to run their automotive division and it was much larger organization. Uh, you know, the JM family enterprises, Southeast Toyota, you know, it just, it was much bigger and it was going to be a good thing for our people. Yeah. And then the, everything crashed Oof. and, and including 2008, uh, you mean? Yeah, right. And we sold uh, two weeks before that actually happened. Oof. So uh, the that's good, nice, you know, though. <laughs> lucky, yeah. But my my earnout changed, and uh, and what ended up happening is just renegotiated. Took three people on the outside and did their marketing for them, mm. and had not didn't have any idea really what I was going to do. And that's kind of where you're just taking the work. Yeah, and, and figuring things out. And then I got to, together with a couple of partners uh, that I've been with in the past. And, you know, the, the thing that we kept coming back to was this sales process. You know, the thing that allowed us to grow so fast over the over these two companies. And, you know, what would it look like if we put that together and, and resold it to, to other entrepreneurs and uh, made a whole bunch of mistakes putting it together and then, and then when we started to figure things out uh it was needed it it, it yeah. took off you know people agencies are a, a perfect example you know super right. creative do good work don't always love to sell yeah and that is a big theme <laughs> and we just found a lot of niches like that it is a perfect example where yeah. look i want to fix computers i want to put I want to design network infrastructure and make sure people are secure. I don't want to go out and get a new client. Right. So we just went and found industries like that that really appreciated this process, and then and then that's where it took off. What a what a great story! And and you guys, uh, you know, if you had to if you had to track your revenue growth over the you said thirteen years is when Abstract Management was founded. Thirteen years ago, you said twelve. Twelve. Okay. Yeah. So, we've been in business twelve full years. Would you say the growth has been steady and compounding uh volatile or exponential like just a you know exponential yeah. growth so we've had uh at least 20 percent growth year over year every year other than one Which and, one? Uh, and it was a god what year was it it was either year five or six yeah and uh you know we just experienced some significant growth and made some mistakes and did it the wrong way and Learned, learned in a hurry. Yeah, and, uh, you know. Since then, we've been we've been better at, at growing and and getting ready for growth. Yeah. But yeah, but we have had consistent growth year over year. Yeah, that's awesome though. I mean, because it, it just it just goes to show that you just gotta you know you just gotta stick to it. Obviously, you gotta stick to it. And you have to have a great sales process. And you mentioned a guarantee, right? Like you guys do the guarantee. That's something that we've been really starting to do more of is is offering guarantees. That's actually one we do as well, which is, you know, at the end of X month, we'll still keep working with you. Um, yeah. What would you say have been the best strategic decisions you have made regarding your offer uh, that have helped to scale your agency over the years? Exclusivity. Ooh, 
got a snap to that. Yeah, that's uh, I got to hear what you got to say. <laughs> well, I mean, people hate it. Yeah, because all all of a sudden you're thinking, well, gosh, I'm doing we can really do well in this industry and I'm in this market and I've closed somebody and, you know, I could probably get somebody else in that market pretty easily, but I can't because I've locked locked right. it up. And uh, although it has uh, potentially caused lack of growth in particular markets, I think it has helped us sell faster. Right. It's helped. Right. It's helped us keep clients. They they appreciate uh, the fact that we're working with them exclusively. And then I think there's something to be said, you know, from a results perspective. Right. If I'm Mm-hmm. pounding on the same thousand people for three different outfits, then, you know, I'm probably not going to be as successful as just really thoroughly working those thousand companies on behalf of one. Yeah. But I think exclusivity is probably the biggest thing that, that, that we've done that that's helped us. Well, it's like, you know, you're, you're creating demand by limiting supply. So I think that's a very, a very good thing and something I just recently started doing. And that was, you know, dumbest decision ever to wait this long, but it is something I've started to do, which is, you know, we only work with this many people every month, which makes sense. Cause you have to be real with yourself. Like if somebody said, could you handle a hundred clients this month? No, like I couldn't handle a hundred clients this month, new clients. Right. Like, so you just put the cap on whatever you actually can reasonably do. You know, what, what we'll do is, so we've got these focus niches and we've got, market attacks. And so let's say that Minneapolis is open for IT. Then what yeah. we'll do, what we'll do is use our sales enablement department to uh, generate appointments. And the messaging is, look, we're going to talk to the top four or five uh, IT companies in Minneapolis over the next week. And then yeah. within two, within two weeks, we're going to pick one to partner with. And so there's this sense of urgency and of course they're competitive and yeah, the top people are competing for the same business anyway, and they don't want the other guy getting there first. And so, you know, there is a market share thing that goes along with it. That's super smart. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's just, uh, I recently read this book called a hundred million dollar offers by Alex Hermosi and, uh, uh, he's just similar mindset. Very, very interesting. And, and with, with the guarantee, I mean, did you always do that? Did you always have that? Or did you guys add that recently? In like last few years? Did uh, last year. Yeah, we, we had it last, just last week we had it. Um, <laughs> we have had it for quite a few years. We did not always have it. And we wanted, um, you know, building a pipeline's tough. Yeah. And people usually think about that uh, the, the kind of work that we do is a shot in the arm instead of a long-term approach. And it just helped us sell people on doing things for the long haul. Yeah. You know, if they knew that maybe I'm not getting the number of meetings that I want right now, but if I get to the end of the year and I don't get those, they're going to keep working for me until I do. Then right. we were, we were able to get people to do it longer. And then right. that, then that just immediately helped us be more successful uh, yeah. and, and have more two year, three year, four year, five year clients. And for that 3750, I mean, uh, how many meetings do you target per month for clients? Does it depend heavily on the industry or do you have like an average? It does depend heavily on the industry. Um, if from an IT perspective, we do uh, 60 over the course of a year or 
you know, five meetings, five meetings a month. Not yeah. these, are, these are people that are in their exact criteria with the exact, yeah. you know, individuals they want to meet, president, CIO, whoever it is. Heavily um, individuals. Yeah. Yeah. Really qualified. And then there's other things we do with that. There's phone calls, there's email, there's a, a portal that we give them where they can, you know, manage leads, hear calls. And then we also create uh, sales, sales assets for them to use over the course of the year, like sell sheets and case studies and motion graphic videos and things that they can use in the sales process. That's all in that fee. Well, this has been an amazing interview. I, I really wish I could keep you on for another four hours and ask you, you know, hundreds of questions, but I can't. So I'm going to wrap it up here. Uh, but we have a, we usually do a lightning round towards the end, just to benchmark because, um, you know, there's a lot of limited data out there, especially on agencies, you know, SaaS companies have so much information, but agencies is, it's kind of a black hole a little bit. So I just wanted to ask you a few ones we ask everybody here at the end, but how, how old are you? I'm 52. 52. Nice. And then agency age, 12 years. Any, you, you mentioned predictable, uh, a lot is, is, is a book you've read or are reading predictable revenue by chance? I have, but yeah, yeah <laughs> I was just curious yeah. cause I always ask any book recommendations. So I don't know if you would recommend that one or another one. I would recommend that, that one, but I, I would recommend, uh, the, the one thing. Mm. I, I don't know if you've ever heard of yes. that. It's a, concept of getting to the most important things and making sure that you do those by the end of the day, whatever order they come in, it's kind of the difference between success and not. Yeah. Gary Kelly, great yeah. guy, great business person. We, and the, we hand it out to everybody that, that hires on. Oh, really? Yeah. All of your clients or just any employee? Uh, every, every team member internally. I think I'm going to start doing that with a hundred million dollar offers. That's been a game changing book for me. And uh, what was the end goal at the agency? Sell it or are you going to harvest this thing? And, you know, I hear very different answers from people, but I'm curious. You know, I don't know that, that we've really defined that. Like at our core, we're, we're just trying to grow so that we can impact more lives, you know, internally yeah. here, internally here, and then externally with our clients, you know, helping, helping them grow. That's right, kind of right. that's kind of number one. The only thing that we have super defined is uh, revenue and client target uh, for the next three years, and how oh, we're going to get the, how we're going to get there. But yeah, I, I'm not close to to uh, letting go if it's the right thing for our team if they can be in a better spot. Yeah, I get that. And, and how would you value the agency today? Like, would you value it on revenue? Uh, as a multiple on revenue, uh, or would you value it on EBITDA? What would that what would that number be? Like, uh, how much would somebody have to pay in a check for you to walk away? <laughs> I don't know. Good, good uh, question. It's probably never enough, right? Yeah. So, I, I, I've watched people sell their their companies, some friends, and and it doesn't seem like anyone's ever satisfied with the final number. No. Right? <laughs> and then they're no. then they're always like stressed and working harder after they just made millions of dollars. It's super right. confusing. So I, I don't how, know. How would you, um, well, how would you encourage agencies to think about their multiple then? Would you say most agencies to think about, uh, you know, like two X revenue at 54 million? I mean, is it, is there like a benchmark you'd probably use? 
I think that obviously it's going to depend on your consistency of growth, right? And just yeah. making sure that you can prove to do that. If you can do that, then you can uh, command a higher multiple. I'd probably look at a two times top or a eight to 10 bottom line. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, that, a lot that, of times two times top if you're spending a lot of money on growth, but you're still predicting that you're going up. And right. you're not as profitable as you could be because you're investing in growth than probably two times time. Man, this has been a, a fantastic interview. So thank you so much, Scott. And I know everybody here you. is, uh, you know, definitely benefited from listening. And uh, Scott, you, you know, you mentioned at the beginning you wanted to pretty much just share your wisdom. Um, but are you sure there's no no way anybody can reach out or help you out anyway? <laughs> I if. Look, we, we're interested in helping people build sales pipelines. If you need more new sales meetings, we would love to to help you out. Um, if you want to see if we have a, a market open, reach out to us. You can get to us at, at abstractmg.com. It's abstract with a K. Or you can find me on, on LinkedIn. It's Scott Scully, S-C-U-L-L-Y. Either one of those ways works. All right. Well, thank you so much for being on the show, everybody. Uh, and you know, this is Scott with Abstract Management. His company has scaled over the last 12 years to $54 million in revenue, recently just acquired a new email marketing business. Uh, looks to scale in uh, 2022, 20% compounding growth year over year. So thank you so much, Scott, for being on the show. It's been great.